0: Who's ready for a great 2020? Ready to receive everything God's got this year? How about just for a minute, I don't know how you connect with God. Close your eyes, raise a hand or something. I just want to pray. God, we thank you for the joy, the excitement, the, the expectation for the start of a new year. God, we say that we're ready to receive all that you have for us. God, may this be a fantastic year. May it be, be a fabulous year. God, may we achieve all our heart's desires, all that you have for us this year. We say, God, bring it on, we pray. Yes and amen, in Jesus' name. Awesome, grab a seat. Hey, uh, it's great to be here. Uh, I was just thinking, Pastor Scott, so that, have a heart for people, open a home, turn on a thing, service, spells, smells hot. Probably don't go there, host. Get the S and the T in the right order just a little tip. um, Hey, uh, I love this time of year when it's kind of um, from kind of New Year's Eve into kind of January, the kind of like, man, just the sort new year, new opportunity, you know, this is the year, finally gonna lose some weight or go to the gym or discover some abs or start that new course or this year, it's kind of like anything's possible. Is that right? And it's kind of lasts for a bit and then we... Anyone else like this is a great time of year? It's like we're about to launch into something new. It's like it's not just going to be same old, same old. No, everyone's already gone flat, flat-lined on expectation of, but uh, and, uh, it's, for me it's exciting because you know next week Pastor Sam's launching this, uh, this series, this campaign called Full and Overflowing and it's like, God, I want everything that you got for me this year. I want the fullness of what you got. In fact, I want my life to overflow with good things and so, so I'm coming like like, God, we're ready, I'm ready to go, I'm good to go for a great year. Ready to launch into, gee, are we ready to? And I was like, yeah. But, and, um, and you know, Pastor Sam, from this verse, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness. It's like, God, I want to get everything out of 2020 that you intend for me to have. I don't want to settle for mediocre. I want to know the fullness of everything you've got for me. Anyone in that kind of feel like, yeah, I'm ready to grab this thing by the throat. Like, we're going to do this thing. And it was great to have um, Pastor Blake Young here last Sunday morning, and he talked about, he picked up this thing from um, where Pastor Sam's going, so he talked about the parable of the four soils, and the final one about, you know, you want this 30, 60, actually, I want a hundredfold. I want overflow this year. I want bounty this year. I do, I don't know about you, and, and I, like, I'm not much of a gardener, in fact, I'm not a gardener at all, but my wife's a gardener, and and so this kind of metaphor from Jesus kind of works for her, and, I, and I've and i watched her, like, the care, like, to, to choose the plants, to look after them, to tell me off when I haven't watered them, and, and to do, and it kind of like, and because and you're like, I want this thing to flourish, I want this thing to grow, and Jesus is like, this is how he wants us to think about our life and our year, like, I want something to grow. And Pastor Blake Young talked about, man, I want to see a hundred-fold overflow uh, in 2020. And Pastor Sam's going to start talking about that. But uh, today I want to kind of back up the truck a bit because if you go back one, Jesus dealt with an issue before that and it was the issue of weeds. Now, like I said, I'm not a gardener, but I, but I get this. You have to work hard to grow the good things. You don't have to work very hard to grow weeds, right? They just pop up. So you've got to be intentional to grow the good things, the fourth soil, but you actually have to be intentional to pull out some weeds that are in the way of the bad things. And, and it's kind of um, my my wife's, my mother-in-law's an even better gardener than my wife. So often they'll walk around and my wife will go, Oh, what's that? And my mother-in-law will go, Oh, that's a weed. So, like, oh yeah, you need to pull that out. So it's like going out, I wanna see an overflow, I wanna see a fullness and an abundance. But part of gardening is I also need to just learn to quickly pull up some weeds, but while they're little, pull them out because I'm clearing the deck for a harvest that I want. And, and this is part of the, the metaphor that Jesus taught about how we do life. We, we invest, we work to see something positive grow, but it's not about being negative, but there's some little things that's like, oh, that's a weed, I don't want that. I don't want that attitude, I don't want, I don't want that behavior, that's going to that's gonna get in the way of the harvest, that's going to that's gonna choke out the overflow that I'm looking for, and the, I, actually I was out with my weed eater on um, Thursday, Wednesday night, and was enjoyed kind of demolishing all these dandelions and stuff, but then I hit this weed that had been around for too long, and it like, it was no longer like grass, it was like it had bark on it, and my... <laughs> And my weed eater didn't do anything, and then I kind of try to pull it out, and it didn't. And then I kind of break it, and it didn't. And it's like, it's a lot easier to deal with weeds when they're little, and just pull them out. And and so today, um, what I really want to do is kind of say, part of like, man, I want to go for overflow this year. I want to go for all that God's got. So I want to do something a bit kind of bit different unexpected i want to talk about some weeds and particularly one little weed that we got to pull out if because i want to kind of clear the deck for pastor sam for next week so let's clear out the weeds so we're ready to plant the good things because i want the overflow and and you know jesus talked about this he talked about you know other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and then yielded no grain Oh, yeah, so I want to invest in sowing into the good soil. I want to water that stuff. I I want to harvest, but I also want to pull up the weeds that are going to get in the way of what God's got for me this year. Anyone like, yeah, yeah, I want everything that God's got for me. And so I've got to pull up some weeds. You know, Proverbs, guard your heart, for for from it flows the springs or the issues of life. It's like, I want to be careful what takes root in there. And I wanna, and it's not about being negative, it's like when it's a little weed, you just, you just pull it out and it's not like, oh, big negative, thing. it's just like, just pull out the weeds to clear the way for the things that I want to grow. And, and actually, the writer of Hebrews makes it more specific, see that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up, it's like, oh, I've gotta tend my heart so that the really good stuff grows for the bounty and the overflow and the fullness that God's got. And part of that, I just need to notice, oh, where'd that attitude come from? I don't want that in there. See, I I think when I was younger, it's kind of like you just blame, oh, this person's annoying. Oh, that person is terrible. As you get a bit older, you start to realize, oh, it's about the attitude that's got planted in me. I need to be concerned about that, not about the person. And much more, oh, I don't want that attitude starting to take root in my heart no I'll just get rid of that I don't want this thing I just I want to pull out the weeds of my heart so that God's thing grows and so it's like man because I want this because I want full because I want overflowing I need to actually back up the truck and I need to clear the deck of some weeds anyone ready to pull out some weeds this morning cool um this might be the weirdest message you've ever heard, because I've, but maybe. Um, so in the history of the Christian church, they're like, like my wife, my wife with her mother-in-law, it's like, is that, a, is that a plant or a weed? Oh no, that's a weed, that's, the, I can't even give an illustration, because I don't know, but, but it's like, it's helpful to be able to name some things. So when an attitude appears, oh, that's a weed, no, you don't want that. You want to get rid of that. Oh, that's a weed. And the church throughout history has named some things. They're called um, seven deadly sins. And it's like, oh, that's a bit heavy. Um, but it's like, but they weren't about being, it's like, oh, these were to name things. Like, oh, no, you don't want to let that grow because that will, that's a weed. You want to get rid of that thing. And, and, and they were, they kind of been throughout all of human history, but they even still apply today with various apps. If you think about it, somebody did about, um, Maybe gluttony is Uber Eats rather than Yelp, but it's like, oh yeah, these are still issues. Like, these are things that get in our heart, and it's like, oh, I want to, ma- I want to, I don't, I don't want to let weeds get in. I want God's overflow for my life. Um, and and it's interesting where these th- this idea came from. It actually came really early in the church from these desert fathers. So, if you know the history, the church used to be persecuted. Then the Roman Empire got converted, and so. So zealous christians are like oh this is a terrible evil city we're going to go off into the desert and be pure christian religious people and once they got out there they're like oh bother we didn't leave sin it's still sitting in our hearts and it's like here's this little devout group of people in the desert praying but it's like i'm so annoyed at that guy who he always takes the last piece of chicken like what is that about and that guy he always disappears when it's time to do the dishes." You know, what's that about? And that guy, he always gets in a huff and gets grumpy. And, it, and suddenly they realize, oh, there were these little weeds of these little petty issues. And they go, oh, that's our battle. And they seem so little and insignificant. Um, in fact, I've, I've got a few long quotes today. So we'll skip over them if they get a bit boring. But I, just, I was doing a lot of reading about this, and I found it interesting. A guy said this, a, a thing to be initially noted about the seven deadly sins is they are They are all not only so very personal and individual, but also so small and trivial. Gluttony, lust, and pride, while not the most attractive of personal attributes, can hardly compete with sexism, racism, and the bloodletting actions of a nation with the largest military budget and the biggest prison population of any people in the world. He's like, seriously, is these the deal-breaker things? When you think of all the problems in our world, it's like, the guy always takes the chicken. You know, the person who always is too lazy to help, he's like, yeah, these were seen as the seeds of everything else, and it's like with weeds, you wanna pull them out when they're little, not wait till they're like global crises. And so that's why they thought, oh, these are, these are deadly, not because they're big in themselves, but because of what they grow into. And wouldn't it be a good idea to pull them out when they're little? Oh, that little bit of, of just selfishness, I don't want that in my life. Oh, that little bit of uh, just being the guy that always disappears when it's time to do the dishes. Maybe this sounds not so much like Desert Fathers, sounds like your extended family Christmas holiday, or your, you know, that, that uncle who's never gets his butt off the chair and helps do anything, just, you know, lay, it's sloth, that is. You know, that, that, it's, like, it's like, oh, these are the issues which actually destroy community. The little things, um, again, he, and then and, and the reason is not that they were being judgmental, or not what well, they're heavy, it's like, they realized these things were actually destructive. Again, this guy says this, sin was not harmless transgression of some random moral code invented by repressed and frustrated medieval clerics, it means. For our ancestors, sin described a pattern of life that was quite simply destructive. It destroyed families, friendships, happiness, peace of mind, innocence, love, security, nature, and most importantly, our bond. It's like, these things wreck our, our community. These things actually wreck our relationship. If I want to know God's fullness, if I wanna know God's bounty, these are the weeds to pull out of my life. And it's like, oh, these are the things that I just wanna learn to recognize. Ah. Oh. And it's not about being heavy and judgmental and guilt. It's more like, oh, that little attitude, I don't want that. I, I, wanna, I wanna move on. I don't want that in my life. I, yeah and so it's this ability to recognize it without being all guilt and you know beat yourself up it's just like oh no just pull the weed out and carry on and it's like yeah because I want this because I want to nurture this one of the steps according to Jesus step three before the last one is actually to pull up some weeds and, um, and I want to talk about one weed, which again, is pro- I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to talk about this, and I'm like, I have never heard a message on this, I think. I'm pretty sure. I want to talk about that weed of envy. Because here's the deal. Here, here's the thing. It's like, if... I reckon this is the key to unlocking the full, because it's like, I want all of God's goodness and blessing to come into my world. But if I'm constantly looking over and I'm disappointed and I'm resentful about every other good thing that's that happening in other people's lives, it blocks something of me receiving the goodness i think that's why this morning i believe the holy spirit wants to pull up just a little root of envy that frees us to then stop comparing ourselves and stop feeling annoyed and resentful and kind of go do you know what i'm going to focus on the fullness and the blessing and the overflow god wants to bring to my life i've never thought about this before but i feel like it's a key for this overflow thing, and and again, it's like, and some of you, maybe it's like going to the doctor. At the end of the service, you look at your husband or wife and you go, what was that about? And it's like, hey, if you go to a doctor and he does a checkup and there's nothing there, it's good. If you don't have an issue with envy, fantastic. But I know that I do, and I know as I thought about it, something just frees up when you decide you're gonna let it go. And maybe it's like going into the start of this year, going into the start of this decade, You don't want to be carrying a little weed that goes, I'm just, you know, it's not fair. All my other friends are getting married and I'm still single. All my other friends are having kids and we don't seem to be able to have kids yet. My other friends from uh, university got jobs and I'm still working at McDonald's. You know, the other, other friends kind of have this perfect family and one of our kids has got issues. And that, that's what it looks like, this sense of disappointment with a kind of resentment of other people's blessing. And so I, I don't want that weed in my life. I just want to pull, and, and the lesson of church history, this is actually a really destructive weed from, that's going to that's gonna choke out the overflow, the hundredfold that God wants to bring in your life. So um, when I, it's, it's actually talked about a lot more in the Bible than you think. Proverbs says this, a heart at peace gives life to the body, envy rots the bones. It's like this, this will destroy, this will eat you up from the inside out. If you're constantly feeling life, not, life's not fair, everyone else has got an easy run of things, it's not fair, God. It's gonna eat you up. And it's like, oh, I want to catch that when it's just a little weed. I don't want to wait till it's a major bitterness in my life. I just want to catch, you know, and so again, through Proverbs, or back in Job, actually, part of the wisdom literature, literature, resentment kills a fool, envy slays the simple. Over and over in Proverbs, don't let your heart envy sinners. Um, Again, oh, my machine might have stopped. Oh, there we go. Don't envy the violent or choose any of their ways. Oh, I might need that table, people out the back. Um, there we go. Don't envy the wicked. Do not desire their company. I oh, know, we're all right. And Ecclesiastes, this interesting thing. I saw all the toil and all the achievements spring from one person's envy of another. He's actually looked at the world and, you know what? Envy is actually a, an engine of our world. And, and if he was talking about this like... Th- 1000 BC, much more so today. The whole advertising industry is to make you envious of what other people have got. The whole social media thing, you know, there's a famous thing we say, don't compare your your behind the scenes with someone else's highlight room. We're like, everyone else is having wonderful holidays. Everyone else is buying new cars. Everyone else is falling in love and getting married and having kids, and my life sucks. I mean, the whole of it, we're kind of consumed with this portrayal that's designed to stoke up envy and a sense that everyone else is having a great lot in life And my life is mediocre. You know, in in the New Testament, they'll often list some of the issues to deal with. And Jesus was confronted about, uh, why don't your disciples wash their hands, engage in religious rituals? And he made this comment, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, and arrogance. These come and these defile you. Jesus names envy as an issue. They're like, "No, this will mess up your life. You you don't want to live like this." And the the apostle Paul will often um, list, make similar lists again, talking about people. They've become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy. People whose lives are whole just bitter about how other people are getting ahead, how other people are getting breaks, how things are going well for other people, that it's so unfair that I should have had that promotion, not them, that how come they rostered on the main stage at Shout and I'm playing music for the kids church? You know, it's just, it's, it's, too soon, too close. <laughs> Life full of, in. it's like, you can feel it like, it just, it's just, ugly it's like i don't want to live like that and i don't want to go into this year disappointed and resentful about other people's stuff um titus oh, we were, at one time too we were foolish disobedient deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures we lived in malice and envy being hated and hating some people's workplaces are like that just resenting anyone that gets ahead resenting anyone that gets a break and it's just nasty and, and, and again, Galatians, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, you won't go through them all, but verse 21, and envy. I warn you as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Interesting when he goes on to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, talks about things like love, joy, peace. And down the bottom, verse 26, let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. He's writing to the church. Like church, pull up the weeds of pride, anger, and envy. Don't let envy get in the church with this petty kind of resentment and disappointment. Oh, how come Pastor Scott's friends with them? Oh, how come Pastor Sam went? It's like that's ugly. I don't, and and it's like, and it's like I don't want that in my heart. I want, because I want to live in fullness. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, the famous love chapter, love is patient, love is kind, says two things positive about love, it's patient, it's kind. The first thing he says about love that it's not, love it doesn't envy. If you're called to love people, you don't envy their success. You don't envy their blessings. You're happy that they're getting on in life. You celebrate what's good for them. It's like, oh, if we're called to love, one of the things we're called to do is be kind, which means I wanna do nice things for you and not envy your blessing and success. Imagine a community of people where there's not envy. Oh man, Pastor Sam's put you on to be the lead worship at Shout. I've been waiting 10 years for that, I'm I'm so happy. I know what that would feel, I'm so pleased for you. I'll be praying for you, man, I pray it goes well. Imagine a community like that. Imagine at work. Oh, how come they got a. Ro- oh, how come they got the promotion? Man, I'm so pleased you got the promotion. I'm so. Um Yeah, actually, I wasn't going to share this, but my wife had a bit of a a difficult situation at her job a couple of years ago and and she was promised a job and then someone got appointed over and there's this awkward moment walking into a meeting and Christine just walked up to her and said, congratulations, I'm so pleased for you. You're going to love this job. And they're like, oh, I thought you would have been... She's like, no, no, good on you for getting the job. And it's like, you, you want to live free like that, don't you? You know, it's a weed to be pulled up. Again, this guy says this, in First Corinthians 13, Paul says that love, Christian love, does not envy. He wouldn't be preaching against envy if it was not a problem in the church. Actually, Paul, this is, I mean, if you're, if you're sleeping around, you probably get sacked or stood down. If you're having tantrums, you probably get stood down. But actually, we can kind of slide envy in. To church and paul recognized this actually he said this it's true some preach christ out of envy of him he's like there are some real weird people that it looks real religious but it's actually driven by envy competition my church is going to be bigger than yours my ego is going to be bigger than you i'm going to be on the roster more often than you it's like we don't want that do we because i want to live out of the bounty and overflow for me in fact james goes on to say again who is wise and understanding? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done and the humility. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambitions, don't boast about it or deny it. Just acknowledge it. Pull it out. Oh yeah, it's there and I don't want it. It's a weed. Like I've had to process this the last few days as God spoke to me. Oh yeah, I don't want to go into this year resentful, disappointed. Something like God... Yeah, it's there, take it out. And do you know what? It goes. And God's peace comes. It's not about a big guilt trip, it's not about a big heavy thing. It's just acknowledged, yeah, there's a little weed, pull it out, move on. Because I want to clear the ground for a harvest. Peter again, rid yourself of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. See, I don't know, that was about do you clear. Oh, there's quite a lot in the Bible about envy. And about Christians needing to deal with envy. Don't tell me that you're all sugar sweet. You get annoyed when someone gets promoted. You get annoyed when someone gets recognized. We all do. But let's choose to go, I don't want that in my heart. I want to live in a freedom of love and peace. Again, this guy, envy, uh, actually in, the, in Jesus, sometimes he, he doesn't use the normal Greek word envy. He uses this word Evil eye, which is a Jewish rabbinic expression for envy and covetousness. It's like, and Jesus picks up this thought in Matthew 6 this eye, like the eye is the lamp of your body. How do you look at this world and you can look with an evil eye, like, I resent that they got ahead. I resent that they got. Jesus says that's an evil eye and it darkens your soul. Or you can have a good eye which looks and says, Fantastic, you got promoted. Fantastic! You got a pay rise. Fantastic. Uh, you're getting married. Fant- it's like Jesus said, that's a good eye that puts light in your soul. So I don't want to go through life with this evil eye that's always resentful of other people's success, always wants to bring them down, and that ultimately poisons me, not them. Um, Guy points this out. Do you know the first recorded case of envy in the bible is of cain killing his brother abel genesis so you don't get very far in the history of sin before envy rears its ugly head so if you know the story abel and cain uh present their offerings it just says the lord looked with favor on abel and his offering but on cain and his offering he did not look with favor there's whole lots of theories about why interesting the The passage doesn't tell you because, in a sense, that's not the point. The point is how Cain responded. How did he respond? Interesting. Cain was angry and his face was downcast. The Lord said, Why are you angry and downcast? Envy is that I'm disappointed and I'm angry. I'm sad and I'm resentful because it should have been me. How come you, how come God treated you better than me? How come I was the one that didn't? Uh, six, how come I had to work my butt off and got Cs and you stuffed around and got A pluses? How come, how come I worked hard and didn't get made the hub leader at youth? How come I studied uh, and, and practiced for so long and you got put on the roster? How come, how come the guy fell in love with you, not me, when I know that I'm a nicer person than you? It's, it's, it's that anger and sadness disappointment and resentment and it's like I want to learn to recognize that early when it's a little weed and go I don't want that because that's going to mess me up and so if you know the story he goes on and Cain ends up attacking his brother and kills him where is your brother I don't know am I my brother's keeper? Keeper, resentment divides us it separates us it makes us attack each other rather than celebrating each other's success. Um, Is there a few definitions? Just eighth-century monk and theologian. Envy is discontent over someone else's blessing. It's not fair. How come things work for them? Um, Sad uh, Thomas Aquinas is a Catholic theologian. Sadness at the happiness or glory of another. Dorothy, envy begins by asking plausibly, why should not I enjoy what others enjoy? And it ends by demanding, why should others enjoy what I may not? Anyone know this word? Schadenfreude, it's a good German word. The pleasure derived from the misfortune. It's like the secret pleasure, like I resent what you're doing and when you strip and fail, it's like, yes. Germans have a word for it. It's <laughs> the if emotions, Mr. Schadenfreude. It's like, ah. Oh. Don't tell me that you're above this, because you're human. Um, oh, and again, envy is the great leveler. If it cannot level things up, it will level them down. Rather than have anyone happier, it will see us all miserable together. I don't. Care. Well, even if I can't do it, as long as you can't do it, it's okay. Because there's this weird dynamic. This guy. Um, points out real envy is reserved, not for the great or the greatly gifted. I probably don't envy Bill Gates' fortune or you know, NBA sports player. I envy people close to me at a similar level, like I'm almost as good a guitar player as them. Why were they rostered on? I, I, did a, I, I worked as hard as them in real estate. Why did they get the promotion? I, I worked hard on my e-group. Why did Pastor Sam call them out and give them a block of chocolate at the team night? overwhelming, third line, fourth line, overwhelming and astounded inequality, he writes, especially when it has an element of the unattainable arouses far less envy than minimal inequality, which inevitably causes the envious to think I might have been in his place. So this, envy breeds on proximity. Kierkegaard who wrote about, his, uh, as any other, wrote in this, envy is a small town sin, a byproduct of living close so close, so, so close to a set of other people one is constantly I'm constantly looking over the fence going how come they've got more than I have how come I didn't get the opportunity them? how come they got promoted how come they got the pay rise how come they got the opportunity like it's a you realize it's a petty nasty thing it's like I want to live in fullness I want to live in overflow I want to be focused about what God I don't want to be this petty nasty little person who's constantly just Niggling about stuff. Envy suggests I look at those around me and consider their free time, their paycheck, their successes, their love life, and say it's not fair. Sorry, I'll rush on a few more. Um, Ah, I'll skip over this, we had enough. To feel envious, to have a gnawing, aching pain eating away at our insides that leaves us no peace and takes away all pleasure in the things we might otherwise have enjoyed. Man, that was, I could have enjoyed playing guitar for the kids, but I'm so focused and annoyed at the guy who's on stage on the main stage. I could have enjoyed being promoted to be uh, the dean of the middle school, but I'm so annoyed at the person who got the principal job. You realise that's why in Christian it's like, you want to pull this thing out when it's a little weed. Uh, and, And just Here's three quotes quite similar. This guy, Graham Tollins and Angling, out of all the sins, envy is different. It's different because it's the one sin on the list that has no pleasure in it. It's no fun. I mean, lust starts in fun and then you have carnage. Anger, at least you feel like you spoke your mind and even if you have to clean it. But like, envy, there's nothing nice. There's no, it's like, it's a weird thing. Like, why do we do it? There's no payoff in it. Uh, it's similar. E- it does have a, and it has a direct commandment linked to a commandment, the 10th, don't covet. But here's a similar, it sounds like plagiarism, but it's, it's, of the seven deadly sins, only envy is no fun at all. Sloth may not see much fun nor anger, but giving way to deep laziness has its pleasures and the expression of anger entails a release. So it's a, oh yeah, all these other ones, there's a bit of a, you know, this, the rogue who disappears when it's time to do the dishes. You can smile a bit. The person who blows it off every, you know, Obviously, you call every self, and it's like, oh yeah, we understand. But but envy is just nasty, isn't it? There's not there's nothing nice about it. Socrates called envy the ulcer of the soul. It's the only deadly sin that offers nothing but pain. I think we've got the message. I think I should probably skip over. Um, da, 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 da. I'll skip over. Just some, just as an insult to Australians, someone said, "What does envy look like?" He says Australians, but it also applies to New Zealand, so it's the Facebook thing, feeling like that, it's the social media, it's the advertising, but he also points out the whole tall poppy syndrome is envy. Why should you stand out? Why should you succeed? I'll just bring you down. Actually, he makes another point, which I hadn't thought about before. He says he wonders if even the underdog thing comes out of envy. Why do we champion the underdog? Because we want to take down the top. Oh, oh they're the big school they're the wealthy school great that the poor school beat them it's envy it's resentment it's the sin of the poverty mindset they don't deserve it um, we should get to an answer let's skip over some of these I'll just finish with this. So perhaps envy has a paradoxical status as both the most hated and the most cultivated of all sins in the contemporary world. All our advertising, all our social media is all to foster envy. And yet we don't like people who are bitter envy people. So what's the answer? Well, surprise, well not surprisingly, Blake Young landed where I think last week where the answer is the parable of the talent. Jesus told a parable. That's incredibly liberating. And it's this, Jesus distributes different gifts to different people. And and here's the thing, uh, uh, there's a quote, he just says, you know, part of the secret is to learn to see people as Job saw, as essentially poor, naked, vulnerable, and empty, yet also endowed with gifts. Yeah, we're all the same, and God has given different gifts, and, and, and they're not all equal, but here's the deal, which Pastor Blake, you've got enough for you to create overflow in your world. If you've got two gifts you can multiply it hundredfold to four. If you've got five, you're not in a competition with other people, and and God has gifted you with enough to create fullness and overflow in your world, and here's the other capstone to it, to, much, to whom much is given, much is expected, rather than envious, as a they if they've got a lot more gifting, they're responsible to deliver a lot more. I'm responsible to take what I've got and generate overflow, and that's why it's so destructive if I keep looking over the fence, resentful about what other people have got when God wants me focused on what he's given to me and I would take that and i produce fullness and overflow out of that <laughs> Philippians Paul talks about I'm content I know what God's given me and I'm not I'm not constantly comparing but also The secret of contentment it is something that cannot be taken away and that no one else can it. And Paul says this, do you know where my drive is? It's not to get what you've got, my drive is to become everything God's called me to be. I'm not in competition with you. My drive is to multiply what God's given me to press on to take hold of all that God's called me to do. And you know, one of the tests of the absence of resentment, Pastor Sam talked about this last year, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. He said, he thinks in New Zealand church culture, we're pretty good at the second part. Someone's going through a hard time, we're compassionate, we're gracious, we'll put our arms around them. He questioned, are we as good as at the first part? Man, that's awesome that you made your first million in business. Well, I'm still trying to figure out how to pay off my credit card debt. You know, that's awesome that you're getting married. And, I'm, and I've been wanting to get married for years. That's awesome that you're expecting a baby and we've been trying for 10 years. There's a test of the absence of envy. I can rejoice with those who are rejoicing. I can genuinely celebrate the blessing on your life. Thomas Aquinas, envy is contrary to charity, which is an old fashioned word for love. Whence the soul derives its spiritual life. Charity rejoices in our neighbor's good while envy grieves over it. Um, can I get the keyboardist back up? We're going to launch into a year around taking hold of the fullness of God in our lives. We're going to launch into a month around this theme of full and overflowing. I just feel the week before, God just wants to pull out some weeds that sets us up to go, do you know what? I'm good to go for everything you got for me. And you know, I was just sitting um, yesterday thinking about this, and feel like it's not. Once you the the power of things is once you name things, often they just slide off. It's when you haven't named it. It's just like I'm annoyed, I'm grumpy. It's not fear. Once you go, oh no, there's a little weed of envy got in my heart, and I don't want it. It just kind of slides away, and God's peace and God's love comes. Now, some of you may have gone through some things where you bit with me, with my weed eater last week, you've hit the, it's actually a bit more deeply rooted. I've got great news for you. We have these prayer ministry people at the end of the service. They'd love to pray with you if that weed has got a bit stronger. But most of us, I think once we name it, once we say, I don't want to be that kind of person, it just slides off. And I want to finish with um, kind of a story Um, So, kind of 20 years ago, Christine and I were missionaries in the Philippines and we, um, part of this gathering of leaders in Thailand, I I mentioned one of the the devotions they did around fire, that thing, another person did this other devotion based around this incident in Jesus's life. If you know, the night before he died, Jesus is in great anguish for walking out the calling on his life, walking out his lot in life. And he, and he prays this prayer. Jesus pray, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. And it's kind of this metaphor that the will of God in my life is like a cup that I'm invited to drink. And, and in this uh, retreat, they kind of gave around this bit of paper with this like goblet drawn on it. And it, we only meet every two years. So it's like, write down what your last two years has been in your cup. Some it's like, oh yeah, we started this new ministry. But then, you know, I've been quite sick, or one of my kids has had this issue going on or stuff. And, and then, and they got people to just go around and talk about what's in their cup. And it's like, you know, it's a bit like the social media thing. It's like, I know what's in my cup in great detail, especially the hard things. And from the outside I look and I think everyone else is having a great time. But when they did begin to describe what's in their cup, you're like, oh, maybe I'll hold on to mine. Maybe mine's not quite so bad after all. Or at least I know this cup. And, and, and I and I'm I'm becoming aware of how to drink this cup. And um, maybe can I invite you to to stand? And uh, yeah, again, maybe you just want to close your eyes, raise a hand. But what's the cup of your life? I've got this challenge with my, you know. Navigating kids, grandkids, aging parents, work, that ministry. There's good things, there's challenge. It's the cup. I, I can't tell you what 2020, 2020 is going to bring. Can I? Can I just invite you maybe to kind of engage with God? So whatever, how they, close your eyes or whatever. God is handing you a cup for 2020. And you can spend all the rest of this year looking at everyone else's cup going that's so unfair how come they got more money in their cup how they how can they got more success how or you can go god oh, I'm, i want to help me drink the cup that you've given me in all its mixture in all its richness of different flavors and colors and elements because it's my cup and it comes from the hand of god and in ways i don't understand I'm being shaped by drinking this cup. And the more that I'm focused on resenting other people's cups, the more I'm going to miss out on drinking all that you've put in my cup and becoming the person that God's called me to be. Because here's the big finale to pull it all together. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. I feel the weight for somebody. You anoint my head with oil. And here it comes. My cup overflows. My cup overflows. Come on, my cup overflows. Man, I haven't got the money, the security, other people, but I've got these friendships. I'm working at marriage. I seem to have to work harder at marriage than other people, but, man, we're doing this thing. Man, I'm struggling with some health issues, but it's drawn me closer to some people. And, and um, God, my cuppers are going to overflow. And that's why envy is so destructive of tapping into the overflow of God because you're looking at other people's cup. Like, drink your cup because God wants to cause your cup to overflow in 2020. Man, can you just uh, just stand in the presence of God for a minute? His goodness and his mercy are pursuing you. Some of you, your cup is some difficult thing. I don't understand why I thought we were gonna have this perfect family and we've got this kid who's struggling with some issues. I thought this was gonna happen. I don't know, but it's my cup. And I'm gonna drink this to the full and you're gonna cause this cup to full and overflow in 2020. And I'm gonna take everything that you have and know there's a richness to my life that you've individually blended this wine that you've asked me to drink. How about for a minute, we just worship God?
1: Not for a minute was I forsaken. It's
0: an invitation for some of you to just embrace, to drink your cup for 2020. play. Some of you maybe will realize, man, this thing's really got some deep roots now. Come, we'd love to pray with you. But as we're singing, I just saw lots of like dandelions, things being pulled up by the roots and just this release of joy. It's like, yeah, man, I'm not going to live like that. I'm going to live in life. I'm going to live in joy. I'm going to live in freedom. I'm going to live in peace. And, and the Holy Spirit, like, yeah, I don't I don't want that. And the Holy Spirit, I feel like, has just extracted some roots. And the garden's already. Next week, Pastor Sam's gonna come and sow for a massive harvest because we're believing 2020, the year of fullness, the year of overflow. How about we give God a big hand?